Shortly before Mass, one of the greeters tonight commented that seemed to be maybe a little bit of a lighter group gathering here for Mass. Now that was five minutes before Mass, so it doesn't really count. And maybe that's the case, but it's understandable on this night in particular because almost certainly a lot of the regular 5 p.m. Mass goers are preparing for tonight. They're getting the barbecue ready, they're going off to the airport to bring guests in. They're just preparing for a huge event. And if you guys are here, it's probably because last year was so taxing you decided to take a year off. But tomorrow morning, they'll be in here bleary-eyed, staggering into the church, barely able to drag themselves after what transpires tonight, which is but once a year. And I'm speaking, of course, of the Perseid meteor shower. If you've never seen it, it is the biggest meteor shower that we have. It's meteor palooza. It's the time more than any other time of the year when meteors come streaking through the atmosphere. And I vividly remember as a kid hearing about this. And I usually wasn't allowed to stay up late, but when I got old enough that I could do it, I was all excited because I'd read about them and I'd heard about them. And I remember going out and sitting there, even in South Chicago, you could see something in the sky, a little bit dark. And I just remember sitting there and watching. And sure enough, the meteors came along. But, you know, for a kid who grew up in the age of Star Wars and all of that, I was expecting some giant flash of fire across the sky. And when the meteor came, it was just a little zit. If you blinked, you could have missed it. And a little bit later, zit, zit. You start wondering, is, is that real? Is it a spark of slag from the steel mill smokestack? What is that? Zit. They're so subtle. And once in a while, you'll get a, a flash of them. But at the end of the day, for someone who's expecting, as I said, for someone who grows up in an era of special effects and pyrotechnics, there's something about a meteor that is incredibly subtle. It's not like a comet that can be really bright at times, but even comets tend to be underwhelming if you're expecting a NASA-type poster picture. And I'm mentioning all of this because there's something about those little flashes that if we appreciate them actually represent something rather huge. Now remember, one of my spiritual directors once said to me, you can tell the largeness of a person's faith by how small they're willing to allow God to be. You can tell the largeness of a person's faith by how small they're willing to allow God to be. And I think what he meant was something along the lines of we look for God in the big. And certainly you get that sense in the first reading, Elijah, and he's looking for God in the storm and the earth, earth wind and fire, right? The, the storm and the earthquake and the wind. But what we don't say, we don't read the whole story. The reason Elijah is in the cave is because he just witnessed God doing something really big. No little meteor flitting through the sky. Now, maybe you know the story, maybe you don't, but I'll give you a spoiler alert. Basically, he's been fighting against some false prophets, and they've been wrestling. So who's the real God? Is it Yahweh, or is it another God? And Elijah appeals to God, and he says, are you going to help me out here? And God calls down fire and smites, you know, 
Well, he doesn't smite the prophets. He calls down fire on the altar, and then Elijah has the pleasure of smiting the prophets. So he goes off and lets them have it. The point is, it's this larger-than-life event. Fire comes from the sky. That's what Elijah was able to do. That's who God is for him. But the people whose prophets he killed are not happy, and now they're coming after him. He's literally fleeing for his life when he goes into that cave where our first reading is. So if you want to take it out of Bible land and say, what does this look like for me? Just ask yourself, when's the last time I was literally, if not literally fleeing for my life figuratively? When's the last time you wondered, am I ever going to get out of this? Maybe you were dealing with a difficult situation. Maybe something in a relationship was falling apart. Maybe there was a really devastating diagnosis. Maybe something on the job or in the career path wasn't panning out. If you want to transform the story about Elijah into our lives, ask yourself, when's the last time you were literally huddling, fearing for your life, at least figuratively, if not literally? Now you're in the mindset of Elijah. And in those situations, a lot of times God suddenly comes on the horizon. Either it's, God, why did you allow this to happen? Or why are you doing this to me? Or God, do you care? Why did I bother to live this life of faith if this is where I'm ending up? And so it makes sense, perhaps, that Elijah is looking for God in the big, because he's just experienced God in the big. And now he's in a really big situation, fearing for his life. And so why is it now of all times that God's presence is incredibly small? We read it, the narrator tells us God is in the small sound. But Elijah has to decide if that's real for him. It would make all the sense in the world for him to see God in the wind and the earthquake and the fire. Lord, I really need you now. If you were ever with me before, be with me now in a big way. And it's just that little whisper. Well, why does God do it? Why God has to do something a certain way is never the right question. It's better to ask if God chose to do it this way, why is that perhaps the richest way for us to experience it? And I don't know a simple answer to that, but one thing I can say is that in the smallness, you have to honor the encounter, right? If you're in the midst of a giant fireball that comes down, if you're in the midst of a hurricane or an earthquake, you're like this little pawn that's just getting tossed around. If there's a smallness, all you can do is encounter it. Because if you're too rough or you're too quick or you jump the gun, you might squash it, you might ignore it, you might miss it. And to be able to stay, can I sit here in the tension? Can I sit here with the fear or the uncertainty? And can I really be open to an encounter in the smallness of the situation? And that smallness is always there. It's just so easy to miss. In the midst of a tragedy, in a relationship, at work, all those things I mentioned, whatever it looks like for you, there are still others who are there. There are others who can listen to us. There are others who have something to share with us. Maybe they don't have the power to alter externally the world around us. They can't heal the sickness. 
They can't magically heal the relationship, but they can listen to us and they can speak to us. They can connect. Because at the end of the day, that's what we have that Elijah didn't. What he had in his God is not what we have in Jesus, in the post-resurrection world. That power of encounter can seem so small and at times insignificant, but really it's everything. And maybe our church underscores that point in the gospel that they give us. Because in all the bigness of the storm at sea, in all the bigness of Peter being able to walk on the water, it doesn't get much bigger than that. When everything starts to fall apart, why doesn't Jesus just say, Peter, rise up. Peter's sinking. Jesus could have just snapped his fingers and allowed Peter to walk on the water again. But after all that bigness, the bigness of the storm, the larger than life, the larger than nature ability of Peter to walk on the water, when Peter really needs help, when he really wonders, God, where are you for me? Jesus turns up in an incredibly pedestrian, human way. He reaches out and he grabs him. He didn't have to be the son of God to do that. He didn't need to calm the storm to do that. He didn't need Peter to walk on water to do that. He just reached out with his very human hand and took Peter's very human hand. And in that encounter was Peter's salvation. So as we move into this 19th week of ordinary time, maybe just a little invitation. And to ask ourselves, first, where is the bigness in my life right now? Where is the uncertainty or fear? And maybe it's not a huge thing. Maybe for you right now, it's pretty subtle. And God bless you. That's a wonderful place to be in life. But I guarantee you there's someone in your life who's in their metaphorical cave because they didn't know where else to go, trying to find a safe place just to hold on. And if it's not you, maybe it's someone you know. But rather than looking for the big solution, or rather than simply calling on God to make a big salvation, to just maybe try and manifest for them or for yourself that smallness and to look for the encounter that's found there. There's a reason why Elijah saw God in the way that he did. That's God's choice, not Elijah's. But if he was speaking to the prophet 3,000 years ago, he's probably speaking to us in the same way.